What's up, everyone in RNFM Radio Land? Welcome back to RNFM Radio 4.0, and we're thrilled you're here and grateful that you've chosen to spend some time with us. We are so lucky to have you tuning in to RNFM Radio. As you know, we're members of the Pulse Media Network at PulseMediaNetwork.com, along with Elizabeth Scala's Your Next Shift, The Nurse Keith Show, The Gluten-Free RN, and other shows coming down the pipeline, including Kevin Ross's new audio baby, The Kick Flip Effect. Make sure that you check out the show notes for this episode at RNFMRadio.com forward slash episode 253. And now we're going to welcome my co-hosts and partners in podcasting crime. Sean Dent, how are things over there in Pennsylvania? What's up, everyone? Keith, how are you? It's 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 a little it's a little cooler here in my area of the world. I don't know about you. It's cooler here too. The weather has definitely cooled off after we had kind of a record-breaking June in um, Santa Fe, and there's a storm brewing outside. And Ashley Poffett Miller, you're just north of me in Denver. How are things in the Mile High City? It, they're it's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it's Blue. always perfect in Denver. It's just so great in Denver. Yeah. No complaints over here. It sounds like, you know, that show, um, it's always, what is it? It's always beautiful and sunny, sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's always beautiful in Denver and Ashley Poffett Miller's world. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, it is always beautiful. I know Kevin lives just up the road from you. So hopefully he's out enjoying a beautiful day as we're here slaving away recording. No, just, just kidding. <laughs> Kevin works hard too, but we're going to give him as hard a time as we can on the show whenever we have a moment. Yeah. Cause he's not here to talk back to us. He can't so. defend true. himself. He can't. No, he can't. He can't. It's, it's awesome. Wow. Well, we're going to have fun with that. <laughs> he is our executive producer, so we do need to be nice to him, but you know, Kevin, you know, you might get a little ribbing along the way and I'm sure you can handle it. He's got, he's got thick nurse entrepreneur skin. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would hope so. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for this episode 253 of RNFM Radio, there's been something kind of sticking in my craw lately, and I've been really wanting to talk about it. And I haven't even talked about it on my show yet. And I thought it was actually more appropriate to bring this over to RNFM Radio. So we're going to dig into this topic. It's a little. I don't know, what would we say? A little grim or darker, but we think it's really important. And the thing on my mind right now, and I think Ashley and Sean, you're tuned into this subject too, is that violence and danger and injury in nursing is something that is up for many of us. There was a specific story that happened not that long ago, and we're really grateful to one particular vlogger for leaning into this story. And Sean, who is that person who's really been kind of putting the word out about this incident? Oh my God. If you don't know who he is, you need to go check him out. His name is uh, Z-Dog MD. His, um, he's actually a practicing physician, or should I say a former practicing physician? I don't know if he's still full-time or not, but um, he has a very popular, prolific, and very positive. Did I just do three Ps in one sentence? It was great. You did, Sean. Did. You did. Holy cow. <laughs> Love that alliteration. <laughs> can't say I did it on purpose. Anyway, um, Z-Dog MD, pretty easy to find. And, you know, I kind of like him because he's also a bald guy. So, um, 
um, he, he, uh, he, he has a, uh, he does a Facebook live every night, which is strong work, but he does a Facebook live broadcast every night. And he talked about a incident that happened, um, several weeks ago. And Keith, you may know the finer details more than I do, but it had to Uh do with a nurse who, um, was taken hostage in a, was it a, it was a prison, and no, the I, be- the- I believe I believe it was actually a hospital. Was right? it a hospital? And they, and they were they had a prisoner in the hospital. Oh yes, 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 yes. There's there's a lot of details we're not going to go into here because Z Dog covers it so well, and we're going to have a link to some of his videos in the show notes, so you can watch his videos. One of which is very moving because he talks about a conversation he had on the phone with the nurse in question, who still remains anonymous for. Mm-hmm various reasons. But because this prisoner um, who was receiving medical care was not shackled properly or shackled at all at a certain moment, what happens? What happened is that he got hold of the guard's gun. We don't know how that happened. The guard ran away and this nurse popped into the room to check on whatever was happening and she was taken hostage. What happened eventually what's very sad and tragic is that she was held hostage for four hours in a dark room with this gentleman. He raped her repeatedly. He beat her. He pistol whipped her and she lived to tell the tale. He was actually killed eventually in the standoff with the police. And she was really a hero and she is quite traumatized as well. And Z dog tells the story incredibly in this video and the link will be in the show notes. So he just knows all the details. We'll let him speak for those. Yeah. He actually spoke to the nurse. He certainly did. And her sister and her sister and the colleagues of the nurse in question set up a PO box. So you can send her cards and letters of support. And she worked at a place called Delnor D E L N O R. And the, the P.O. Box is very simple. It's Delnor Nurse, P.O. Box 394, Sycamore, Illinois, 60178. That will be in the show notes. And if you'd like to send her a card, just tell her that you're thinking of her or support her. That would be awesome. And the hashtag that ZDog has been using is silent no more. So he's a doctor really coming out in favor of nurses. And I'm just very moved by the fact that he pays so much attention to. He is very pro nursing. That's one of the other reasons why I love him. Mm, Yeah, he is a cool guy. He's very funny, too. I I found ZDog when he did that video of uh, readmission, the remix. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I haven't seen that. That was what got me watching him. But yeah, I like I like the the way that he's going these days. You know, he's he's advocating in mm-hmm. really unique and innovative ways for patients, for nurses, and for his profession. That's and right. And I give him I give the guy a lot of credit, and I'm glad that he he is able to talk about things that are difficult to talk about. Yeah, he he is definitely funny. You know, he's kind of like a hip hop guy, and he's funny, and he's hip, and he's cool, and he delves into some some serious stuff and does it really well and poignantly and he jokes around with his producers and they're really funny too and they're on camera and it's I'm really getting into his stuff these days yeah. and so what's really cool about him. him what's yeah. really cool about him is that he has the clout to back it up doesn't he you know, he yeah. has the medical training totally. he's done he's done his time he was a um 
hospitalist, if I'm not mistaken, for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he started doing these videos as a hobby. And then one thing led to another. And here he is with this just amazing following. He's given TED Talks for anyone that's interested in that. So I'm a bit of a fan. So (laughs) I am too. Yeah. And I'm a new fan and I'm totally psyched about him. And this leads me to just to want to have a conversation with the two of you for a little bit about basically the risks of working in nursing in general. So this incident with the nurse who was raped and beaten and taken hostage, that is an outlier. So that, thank God, that doesn't happen very often and hopefully will never happen again, though we can't make any promises to anyone. But that was a horrible situation, just so tragic and mind-blowingly awful. But in terms of the general day-to-day for most nurses out there, the Bureau of Labor Statistics lists RNs as sixth in a list of at-risk occupations for strains and sprains that include nursing personnel, nurses' aides, orderlies, and attendants. And, you know, they have more injuries, it seems, than truck drivers, laborers, stock handlers, and construction workers. So what is up in nursing around injury? Do y'all have any any opinions about this? You first, Ash. Oof. You know, I think that the environment makes or breaks whether nurses are protected in their work. So I do think that – I think that – I'm just going to put this out right out in the front, that the amount of distraction – that a nurse is involved in, in just one shift, it, the, the alarms and the requests, it's constant. And I do feel that I can't perform my job as mindfully and as safely as I can when I'm able to slow down and think about what I'm doing. And so I really put, I tie those two issues together, um, Mm. as a big part of injury. Hmm. So now Keith, are we teasing out violence versus injury, or are we kind of putting them under the umbrella? Well, we've kind of moved into this Bureau of Labor Statistics information, which really is focused on injury, though I think we could dig deeper and find information about violence towards nurses as well, because some of us, I can't speak for myself because it's never happened to me, some of us have been struck and otherwise injured by patients or family or other individuals in the healthcare milieu as well, right? So violence is part of this whole injury profile from my perspective. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, we take care of human beings and human beings are about as predictable as the weather. So, you know, I don't care how well prepared you are and how educated and trained you are as a nurse. There's always going to be an instance that is going to threaten your safety in some way, whether it's on purpose or by accident. I mean, on purpose, meaning someone who's violent, you know, like the, the horrible, horrible case that we're talking about, or you could be talking about someone who's confused and who's scared and they're, they're not in their right mind, whether by medication or by illness, and they become inadvertently violent. And many nurses have to defend themselves from, you know, the little old lady who's 90 years old, who has no idea what's going on, will punch, kick and spit. Because in in the patient's mind, they're scared. Yet, 
we have to figure out a way to not only care for them in a compassionate manner, but we have to defend ourselves from physical harm. So mm-hmm. this is the part of nursing that, that, you know, we've talked about. This is the dark part of nursing that nobody likes to talk about, but everybody knows about it. Everybody that's in nursing knows about it. And it's that's true. something that we have to prepare for, whether we do it on purpose or by accident, whether you do it as someone that tells you about it and trains you on it, or if you have that incident where that patient catches you off guard and you get punched or kicked, whether on purpose or by accident, you know, a punch is a punch. And I don't care who you are, you know, you can be physically harmed by a little old lady that could literally change the course of your career if you're not careful. And your health. Right. Exactly. And, you know, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation published an article on July 16th, 2015. That's about two years ago prior to the recording of this podcast. And I will put a link in the show notes. And it says that violence against nurses as at epidemic levels, and that in 2014, three in four nurses experienced verbal or physical abuse, such as yelling, cursing, grabbing, scratching, or kicking from patients and visitors, according to a study done in the Journal of Emergency Nursing. And three in 10 nurses reported physical abuse. So they have some interesting statistics in here and that the problem is actually getting worse. So we will have a link to that RWJF article because I think it's worth reading if this is of interest to any of our listeners. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're here to solve solve the problems. I think it's just that uh, you know, this made national headlines, so this is why we're talking about it. But I mean, let's. The sad and disturbing fact is, is that do you really think this is a singular incident? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Although, you know, we do everything in our power to prevent that. So, mm-hmm. and it, I, I agree with Ashley to a good degree. You know, like in the world that I live in, in trauma. There's a certain amount of expectation that I have on some of my patients because, you know, they're gang members, they're, they're dangerous individuals. So there's a certain amount of physical harm and defense that we as trauma nurses maintain no matter who we take care of. But then, you know, you can have a nurse who's, you know, a brand new out of orientation on med surge who's taking care of that demented um, patient or that patient who's going into DTs from withdrawal from a medication or a substance and they become violent and it's not something that they can teach you in nursing school, you know, Mm -hmm. no matter, no matter how much they'd like to. So these are, you know, I'm going to throw a controversial question out there and just Uh go for it. Okay. So do you think that from the public's perspective, is the image of nursing the reason that, or is it just simply due to we have the closest proximity to patients in very high stress situations. You know, I, I have to just ask and throw that out there for discussion. Do you think that, especially with patient satisfaction scores, do you think we're too nice, too accommodating and not setting enough boundaries or thinking ahead enough about how maybe this person could become dangerous? It, mm-hmm. I just have to wonder if there's an action that nurses can take that can be, you know, universal all across the board to help us be safer. Right. Mm. 
I, I hate to take the easy way out, but it's probably some of all of the above. Yeah. And I think personally, some of the actions that could be taken in terms of violence is nurses actually being trained how to protect themselves, not to like take a patient down, but right. how to, how to prevent violence. And I don't think this is taught in nursing school. If any of you listeners are taught these such things in nursing school, let us know. I don't think it's really covered very much. And in terms of nonviolence and in terms of like injury, I would love to see nursing units because, you know, most nursing injuries are to the low back or the back muscles, probably from shifting or turning or, or, um, or transferring patients. Right. So I would love to see a robot on every unit that can be summoned to the room that comes down to the room and actually assists or does the complete transfer of the patient and the nurse just basically works the robot or works alongside the robot, but doesn't have to lift. Or I'd love to see like the military is developing an exoskeleton that someone on the lift team wears that they can actually lift someone with who's 400 pounds without, you know, feeling a thing. So there's lots of things that could be done. And again, yeah, we're not going to solve it here on the show, but I think it's worth talking about and people taking action in their own workplace to say, hey, you know, something needs to change here. or We need this training or that training. And a lot of that is up to nursing leadership. I, I mean, I think, oh, go ahead, go ahead John. No, good. Um, you know, the art of de-escalation, it come, you know, it comes with a lot of experience dealing with patients that have mental illness or that are excited easily. And you, you think about in the hospital setting, I, I think about how many people come into one person's room in an hour and mm -hmm. the just, it's the constant uh, questioning. And I can see how people just start to get really agitated. And then in response to their agitation is more attention. And so the, the concept of um, de-esc learning how to de-escalate someone or see the early stages of, you know, agitation as well as, you know, decreasing stimuli a little bit more often in patients' rooms. I think that that technique could be utilized more. I think the hospital, the more attention you give a patient, if they're already stressed out, it almost makes it worse. And uh, we're so accommodating and we want to fix the problem right away all the time. And sometimes it is just leaving that person alone in the room for a bit to just breathe. And um, so that's just one piece of advice that I, I would offer nurses out there if they're ever having a hard time dealing with a difficult patient. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I, I will attest that in my short time in this profession, the training and education on um, the physical requirements for our job has changed greatly for the better, mm -hmm. meaning that they, they do train you on team lifting. They do train you on how to utilize your resources and they do emphasize not picking up that 400 pound patient without help and utilizing right. the services to transfer patients. So yes, they, they have upped their game as Keith would say, uh, um, for physical, you know, maintaining your physical safety. And I will, I'd like to close this topic by saying I work in a profession. I work in an area that when I go to physically assess a patient that I have been trained through purpose and accident that I grab my patient's hand, arm, or wrist before I lay my stethoscope on the patient. 
because I have been swung at and hit numerous times because their hand mm. was free to swing at me, whether mm. on purpose or by accident. So, so it's like muscle memory now. You yeah, just it, do and that. I'm not grabbing them oh, to wow. restrain them. I'm laying my hand on their hand, wrist, or arm so that I feel their arm move and I can mm-hmm. get out of the way. Wow. Good, good one, Sean. I hope some people can take, that can be a nice takeaway for some of our listeners. Yeah. So. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Thanks for delving into this with me. I mean, we could spend an hour on this, but I think it's good to, it's good to touch on these issues that a lot of nurses can, can relate to. And again, folks, if you're listening and you want to send a note to the nurse we were talking about earlier, head over to the show notes at, at, rnfmradio.com forward slash episode 253 and the address will be there and you can send her a sweet card just tell her that you're thinking of her and there'll be links also to MD's videos about the issue and then some other statistics from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the ANA all right well that does it for that main segment and we are moving on to nursing notes and since it's summer Sean uh, you wanted to talk about something with us, and what is that that you'd like to address today? Pardon the interruption, folks. We've got some runners coming through. Or rather, we need to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Elizabeth Scala jumped on the phone with Brian Park, the CEO of Nobby Socks, and he talked about a target demographic that's taking their movement to a much higher level. I'm curious, after marketing first to nurses, physicians, healthcare professionals, were you finding that you mentioned the patient, the young patient population, but were there others who found value in their life from these fun, fashionable, quirky, but still compression socks? Yeah, it it was a pretty great timing in that it matched up with a lot of running apparel and that at that time, marathon runners were wearing like tutus and you know, bright colored, kind of uh, more odd apparel and running skirts were becoming quite popular then too. So we were marketing to a lot of athletes, uh, marathon runners and also uh, crossfitters, both who wear compression socks pretty regularly because it helped uh, compression socks also have the additional benefit of um, uh, decreasing recovery times. So, you know, people would be sore for a shorter amount of times after their long marathon or their workout at the CrossFit gym or what have you. Start or continue your fitness journey in a pair of knobby socks. They help alleviate pain and fatigue and shorten recovery time after exercise. You can find out more about knobby socks at knobbysocks.com. That's N-A-B-E-E socks.com. I want to talk just briefly about something, a concept called the July effect. And I'm, I'm learning that this is not as commonplace as I thought it was. Maybe um, it's my fault because I come from an air, a world of nursing that I come from teaching hospitals. So I come from the larger hospitals that have teaching facilities and they have um, medical residency programs. So the July effect, down and dirty version is every July, there's a new set of physician residents, new trainees. Every July, there's a new class that starts. So these are medical students that just graduated passed their exams and they're now a first year or what they call an intern resident. So they're released into the wild to care for human beings we call patients. And every July you have this set of new residents and every July 
the previous residents advance a year. So the first years become second years, the second years become third years, so on and so forth. And there is a, there's a meme, a social media meme out there that talks about not getting sick during the month of July because that's the most dangerous time of the year to get sick. And the reason for it is that you have these brand new medical students who are now prescribing medications and diagnosing diseases, and they literally just graduated from medical school. So they have little to no experience. Oh, so, dear. So you, you can imagine the amount of information you know as a nurse and how, how little information these medical students who are now interns know. And the reason why it remains dangerous is that the first years now become second years. And for those of us who have experience with these residents, they all of a sudden get really, really confident and somewhat cocky because they have a year under their belt. It's kind of like when a brand new nurse has a year under their belt, they all of a sudden uh-huh. get a little bit more confident, a little bit more swagger in their step. And they listen a little bit less than they did the year before. And then the second years become third years. And that cockiness gets a little bit more dangerous. And then those fourth years, they, they become somewhat cowboyish. So that they, you know, someone has to, you know, pull in the reins. So the idea that the month of July is dangerous for the, all of those reasons. The reason why I bring this up is... Yes, why do you bring this up? Because Sean? we nurses have participated in the July effect, which is we make fun of these residents. We make fun of these nurses. I'm sorry, these residents in that time of the year because they're brand new. And quite honestly, they don't know what they're doing. But when you were brand new, did you know what you were doing? So we're we're actually promoting this uh, environment of making fun of the new class or the people who don't know what they're doing. So these first-year residents are being made fun of by the seasoned nurses. And then when these residents move on in their residency and they become the attending and they become the practicing physician, we have created an envir- a, a hostile environment for them because nurses were those individuals that made fun of me when I didn't know what I was doing. So now all of a sudden the physician is not going to listen to the nurse. The physician is not going to appreciate the nurse's input because of what they experienced earlier in their residency. Yet, oh, I see. So you're you're really flipping this around yeah. and looking at the the, the bigger impact of yeah. this is kind of aberrant behavior. Actually, making you fun like, of them. You like that, huh? So, mm-hmm. you know, it, Sean, that's a good point because that is something that's been just socially ingrained. You know, it's just that quiet talk in the locker room. That's like, Oh, you know, it's July. You know, I can't believe I'm working. I'm going to have to deal with all the, the new interns. And I just, I actually have tried to flip it so that I use it as an opportunity to practice giving recommendations. And I also have noticed too, that they are heavily scrutinized by their superiors. Yes, And so they have to do a ton of research. They're, they're scoping through the chart way more than I have the ability to. And so I don't know. I just, I think that they have to start somewhere. I was one of those individuals until I became a nurse practitioner when I had to walk into the walk in their shoes for a brief, brief moment. So I had a sliver of experience of what they experienced and to understand how much they go through. And at the end of the day, I, I, I feel bad that I've ever made fun of any resident because of the amount of training, education, and scrutiny 
they have to go through because they never get anything right because there's always somebody telling them what they're doing wrong. And can right. you imagine what your nursing career would be like if that's all you ever were told? Oh my God. Right. Exactly. So in a way, when we talk about lateral violence, nurses bullying nursing, nurses bullying nurses, which could include, you know, rolling your eyes at someone or trying to make their job harder by not offering help. That's a lot of what's happening here, but it's not lateral. This is actually, this is vertical violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just food for thought. Excellent food for thought. Thank you for those nursing notes, Sean. That is mm -hmm. that is a really good thing to think about. And now I'm not going to worry about getting sick in July because <laughs> I need to show those residents some love. Yeah. Yeah. To all the interns and residents out there, thank you. You're doing a good job. <laughs> you are. Thumbs up. You're the doctors of the future. You are. Awesome. We need you. All right, folks. So we're going to jump into a quick Stump Sean segment. We're going to throw a difficult, well, I don't know how difficult question it's going to be. We're going to throw something at Sean and see if it sticks to the wall. So Ashley, what do you have for Sean today? All right, Sean. So today's topic is focused around the drug adenosine. Ooh, one of my favorites. All right. Yes. Adenosine has to be given in an emergency situation mm -hmm. and you have to push the medication very quickly through the IV and then flush it with two syringes of saline afterwards. There's some controversy about whether that process takes too long. And, and the question is, can you, is it also acceptable to mix adenosine and the uh, normal saline in one large 20 ml syringe and give it that way as well? I have zero experience with mixing it with the, the 20 mLs. In my experience as a bedside nurse and as a NP, we give the med and the flush and the flush. So this is something that you're probably going to stump me on because in my educational guess, I don't think mixing it with 20 mLs of of the saline is going to make it any more effective or deliver the medication any faster. In fact, I think it would dilute the medication because the whole idea from the flush flush is to get the medication to the central circulation as fast as possible. So it's, it's the flush is just to push the med into the central system and it has nothing to do with the actual medication itself. That's going to be my answer. And honestly, that's how I've always done it. And I guess, you know, as nurses are always trying to figure out a faster way of, or a more efficient way of doing something, you know, that, that alternative option came up. And so what I found was that you can, you can mix adenosine, the dose of adenosine with 20 mLs of saline in one big syringe. And by diluting it, it doesn't alter the efficacy uh, of the drug. And so that was a, a very interesting fact that I learned that I had no idea about. I mean, truth is, I'll probably just keep doing it the way that I learned. But in a scenario, that is an option. I am writing this down so that I can look it up myself um, in my resources to see if, if there truly is a, at the end of the day, regardless of what anybody says, is there empirical evidence out there that that supports what you have found. That's the answer. 
There is a study, I'll send you the information, but there is a study that was looking at the uh, diluted adenosine and and if it changes the effects of the medication or not. And uh, turns out that the findings is that it doesn't doesn't affect it at all. So wow, interesting. Well, let's get that study in the show notes too. Yeah. Actually, so I don't know Very if that's nice. a, is that a stump? Did you stump me? I guess you stumped me. No, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't think so. Half a Not gold yet. star, Half silver star, star. <laughs> bronze star. <laughs> All right. I guess well, it's not fair when it comes to it. true and false questions. So, well, thank you all. That was that was awesome. And folks, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed a little semi stump of Sean. And we're so glad you were here hanging out with us for another episode of RNFM Radio. And I'm going to ask again if you'd be so kind, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. And head over to Facebook and Twitter, hit up RNFM Radio at RNFM Radio, and definitely check out at On the Pulse Media on Twitter. That is the Pulse Media Network's Twitter feed. We would love to hang out with you over there on social. RNFM Radio is produced and edited by Tim Hollowell. He's from thepodcastingguy.com, and he's the producer extraordinaire for all the shows over at Pulse Media Network. Our executive producer and podcasting guru is the illustrious Kevin Ross. Our thanks to the entire team at Pulse Media for their support, including Marie Rittenhouse, who's our resident marketing strategist, and Gloria Attar, our social media marketing manager. Folks, you can find me out there at Nurse Keith Coaching on Facebook and at Nurse Keith on Twitter. And Sean? You can find me on the internet at SeanDent.com or on most social media outlets at Sean P. Dent. Mm -hmm. And Ashley? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Ashley Nurse by Heart and at www.nursebyheart.com. Excellent. Well, folks, you heard it here first. You can find Ashley, myself, and Sean all over the internets, the interwebs. We want y'all to be well, dig deep in your lives and your careers, and keep coming back for more until you achieve your goals. We'll see you next time right here on RNFM Radio. Adios till next time. Peace. See you later. <laughs>